This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference, when all has been heard, in Houston, Texas. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. This afternoon we're going to be talking about growing an above and beyond devotional life. In other words, themed on Ephesians 3.20, which says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. I believe that we serve a God that wants to do exceedingly more than we can imagine. We're told in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So, this morning we talked about... um, growing um, a prayer life, daring to ask for more, and we talked about above and beyond um, humility at the foot of the cross, how important it is with, with revival. If we want to have a personal revival with God, it really starts at the foot of the cross. The glory of man must be laid in the dust and recognizing taking on the righteousness that he has given us, recognizing that in ourselves We can do nothing. We cannot save ourselves. So there's still seats out here. Please feel free to come forward. I I see a number of seats up here. Um, There's room to squeeze in. So there's seats up here. If you guys aren't saving, maybe you can hold up your hands or something so people know where there's seats. Yeah, lots of seats to choose from. Yay. And there's still some up here on the front row, too, which is the best place to sit, by the way. (laughs) The best place to sit is on the front row. (laughs) So, yeah, there's a number of seats up here still. Okay. Let's uh, go ahead and start with a word of prayer, if you would bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you are doing in our lives, Father. We thank you so much for bringing us here. And this afternoon, I'm asking that you would just speak through me in this time that we have together as we take some time to uh, share and also some time just to um, think and pray um, about how to have a closer um, walk with you and to see you in the scriptures. I just, I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you would be glorified and magnified here and that we would leave today with fresh inspiration for what you want to do in our lives and how you want to grow us to have a vibrant and alive devotional life for your glory. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer in your precious name. Amen. Okay, if you have a seat next to you that's open, go ahead and raise your hand again. Um, So all those hands, there's seats uh, open that you can come and sit. Keep your hands up. Those of you in the back, if you see a hand raised, there's a seat beside them that's open. There's a couple seats there, and yeah. Keep your hands up. There's still people coming in. There's still, there's still a couple more seats up here. Okay. 
You know, we um, struggle in our devotional life, and this is something I think very typical for us. If you did not have um, training with your parents, if you did not see this modeled, you, you don't really know, you know, how do you have a devotional life? And my parents were very dedicated, godly. They believed in the power of prayer. I saw God answer many prayers in our home, but I didn't really see practical devotional life modeled until I was actually in academy, and I had a roommate that had devotions every day with Jesus. And um, that was the first time I'd really seen it modeled. But I didn't, I didn't really understand myself, and of course it's been a growing process. You know, God wants to bring us, we talked about this morning, how he wants to bring us out of that wilderness Christianity experience, and he wants to bring us to a life more abundant. Um, there are reasons that we get stuck in the wilderness, though, and this is very you know, common sense. You say, yeah, I understand. But I want you to think about the fact. How many of you have, how many of you guys have had a good meal at least one time a day for the last 30 days if you weren't fasting? How many of you guys have eaten just a normal, at least one meal a day, right? Most of us are eating something every day, right? I just had a wonderful lunch. That was just amazing um, that we had down in the dining hall. We are eating our food because we know if we don't eat, we're not going to be able to go forward, right? We're going to get weak and start getting dizzy, and we're not going to be able to think. We have to eat. And think about the fact that if we had a spiritual battle or something going on, no, 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 sorry. If we had a physical battle that we were going out to fight, would we want to be armed before we went out to fight that battle? We would want to be armed. We would have to be armed. By the way, there's still a couple seats up here for anybody that wants to come. There's like a couple here and a couple there. We would have to have our physical armor on before we went out to battle. But the problem is, is we are in a bigger spiritual battle. We are in a bigger spiritual battle. There's still two more here, so you can pull them together and go ahead and sit there. We are in a spiritual battle. How much more important is it that we have our, our armor on? How much more important is it that we are ready? You know, we're told in Steps to Christ, page 94, the darkness of the evil one encloses those who neglect to pray. The whispered temptations of the enemy entice them to sin, and it's all because they do not make use of the privilege God has given them in the divine appointment of prayer. We are in that spiritual warfare. How many of you heard that testimony that we heard right before lunch with Alex? Wasn't that powerful? You know why the enemy tried to shut that testimony down with the fire alarms? He does not want us talking about these things. In fact, every time I see um, prayer ministry or, or something like this going on, the enemy is constantly attacking to try to keep this message from going out. And so when the fire alarms went off, um, the person that I was sitting with, we started praying. We're like, Lord, this message has to be shared. You know that the devil's trying to stop this. And, and this is so important. That's what happens time and time again. We are in a spiritual war. Temptations often appear irresistible because through neglect of prayer and study of the Bible, the tempted one cannot remember God's promises and meet with Scripture weapons. You know, throughout um, the Bible, I just want to mention this very briefly before we talk about more, more keys and, and tools 
for Bible study and growing in above and beyond devotional life. If you look at the stories throughout the Bible, what do you see? You see a lifestyle of all of the men of God, women of God have fasted, took time for prayer and fasting. You know what the Bible says is that about this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is so important, and I'm not going to talk a lot about it here, but we're told the man who never fasts is no more in the way to heaven than the man who never prays, John Wesley said. We're told John Calvin was a habitual faster. He lived to see God's power sweep Geneva. The Moravians fasted as did the Hussites, Waldensians, Huguenots, Scottish Covenanters. Except for prevailing prayer that included fasting, we would have had no reformation and great awakenings over the centuries. That's from the mighty prevailing prayer. Why should we fast? And these are all, um, this is all from the spirit of prophecy. I'm not giving you all the references here. Um, I have uh, a chapter of this in Daring to Ask. Why should we fast? We should fast when searching out essential truths so our understanding is clear, when, when seeking heavenly wisdom. We should fast when seeking God's direction and making important plans. We should fast when dedicating, dedicating our talents to God's service. We should fast when requesting God's help in crisis, when contending with demonic oppression. We should fast when seeking God for more labors for the harvest, seeking unity for church members, seeking heart cleansing, and when seeking to overcome spiritual temptation. If you are having a struggle in your life and you're just like, I can't, I can't get past this. It's kind of like you come up against this wall and you can't, you can't get past it. That is a time when we need to be seriously fasting and praying. Seriously, if there is, there's a time to fast and pray. When making important decisions, fast and pray. That's all I'm going to say about fasting. There's so much more that could be say, said, but I just want to say it is a very important part if you want to experience a deeper personal revival and if you want to grow your devotional life, um, even not knowing where to start with studying the Bible and spending time in prayer. But let me just talk just a few basics. <coughs> I apologize. I told the, the group that was here this morning that right before coming, I came down with this head cold, so I've been struggling a little bit. <clears throat> but God is helping me. We have to learn to prioritize. This morning I talked about the fact we want God to solve our problems. We want him to give us spiritual victory. But just like um, the people that objected when Christ cast out the demoniacs, uh, the, the demons from those demoniacs, you know, they said, and, and they went into the pigs, right? The people protested and they said, don't send them into our pigs. We need our pigs, right? We have to prioritize. And that means getting up early. It means taking the time, the sacrifice. And I have struggled with this probably like many of you have struggled. I have gone through periods in my life where I just could not wake up in the morning. It's just like there's this lethargic blanket. I don't know how else to describe it. This lethargic blanket over me and I'm just like, oh, I can't get my eyes to stay open. And my head is foggy and it's just and I finally realized when I was struggling with this um, a little while back that this is actually a spiritual oppression. This isn't just that I'm too tired. I mean, you can, you can be too tired because you've, you've stayed up late the night before. And, and when we do that, we make the decision actually to put God in the back seat the night before. You know, when we take time doing our own thing. And, and I, I have to fight with this too. And I said, Lord, help me. I got to go to bed. 
I don't need to see what everybody's done on Facebook. I don't need to read these emails. I don't need to do this. I need to go to bed so I can wake up in the morning and spend time with you. But, but you can go through periods where the devil begins to, he take, takes advantage of that spiritual flab that, that, um, that we get. And so he just casts this blanket over you. And I remember I was really struggling. This was a few years ago. Um, when this, I really recognized it for what it was, and I just, just, just couldn't shake this, this fog. And I was trying and trying, but it was just like I was drugged. That's what I felt like. I was drugged. And I just started praying, and I, and I got my Bible. Where's my Bible? I got my Bible, and I started claiming the promises. And I, I couldn't stay on my bed because I would have fall back asleep. <laughs> so I was off my bed, and I was just walking around my room, and I was just like, Lord, you said this. Please help me. I'm, I'm waking early to spend time with you, but the devil's trying to, to cloud my mind. I can't even wake up. I can't even think. And I was, just, I was just claiming Bible verses, and I was holding them up to God. I was saying, Lord, look it. You promised this. You have to help me. And I was claiming those Bible verses, and I was wrestling. And I think probably, I don't know, four or five days. It was a few days. It didn't just happen overnight. I got up every morning, and I was just wrestling. And it was, it was like a physical battle. And then, like on the fourth day or the fifth day, I don't remember exactly it was, it's like the cloud just lifted. It was just like completely gone. And clarity, and I, I was waking up early when I wanted to wake up and spend time with God, and just like, wow, it was just like freedom. And so I just want to challenge you, wherever you are in this struggle to get up in the morning and to spend time with God, you know, some of you may say, I'm not a morning person. I can't get up early to spend time with him. I just want to challenge you. God can make you a morning person. I have had so many people, so many people tell me I wasn't a morning person, but I said, God, if you want me to get up in the morning, you help me wake up. You give me the strength. If you wake me up, I'll get up. I, you know, like people tell me, I always have to have an alarm to get up. I used to too, actually. But whenever I give God permission to wake me up, you know what? He wakes me up. And you know what's really funny? He usually wakes me up one minute before I gave him permission to. <laughs> Like, okay, God, you can get me up at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's okay. 3.59, I'm wide awake. 3.59. <laughs> One more minute. <laughs> but it's like, but then my heart becomes glad and happy because I'm like, you know what? He's really excited to spend time with me. He's more eager to spend time with me probably than I am to spend time with him. And so he's just like, okay, he said I could wake you up. I'm ready <laughs> to spend time with you. <laughs> and I've had that happen time and time again. It's, it's actually... It's almost, uh, yeah, it's almost funny sometimes. And I just wake up and just glowing and happy, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. And you just have beautiful times. So I want to challenge you. I don't know what your struggle is, but allow God to, to prove his word to you on your behalf. Allow him to prove his word to you, and he will um, wake you up if you will give him permission to do so. Now, this is a big thing. When you get up, don't get distracted. How many of you have these little contraptions? <laughs> these smartphones. You know, I really believe the devil was really smart <laughs> when he came up with some of the devices and gadgets that, that we have nowadays. They're, they're, they're wonderful. They're really helpful. I really like mine because it actually, I'm using my phone actually as my clicker. Um, and I can actually see what I'm going to talk about next on my phone. It's amazing the things that you can do with technology. 
But the problem is, is when that technology pulls us away from our walk with God or distracts us. And this is especially prone to happen in the early morning. Because we wake up in the morning, I have the same struggle and the same temptation that you do. And the first thing we see is, oh, look at we have all these messages. You know, um, I, I got to see who's texting, who's, who's written, who, you know, whatever. Usually I have all these notifications. And <coughs> it's a struggle to go into your devotional time or whatever because I want to see what those little things represent, right? I want to see, you know, who's written last night or whatever. And I've actually um, gone through periods of time where I'll actually turn my phone actually on airplane mode at night. Um, Now, maybe you can't do this because you want to be reached by your family overnight and stuff like that, and so you don't want to cut off emergency communication. But it might be best as soon as you get up and start having your devotions to turn your your phone on airplane mode so you don't start having people texting you um, while you're trying to have your devotions. But I'll turn my phone on airplane mode and won't even open anything until I've had my time with God. You know, it's so important that we have that manna early before it melts away. Good things can be the enemy of the best thing. Minor matters occupy the attention and the divine power which is necessary for the growth and prosperity of the church, which would bring all other blessings in its train, is lacking, though offered in plenitude. And this is the whole thing. Because, you know, this isn't bad. We have different things that we're dealing with in life. They're not bad. But the thing is, is the enemy is very good at using good things to get in the way of the best thing. And we need God to help us to get back to what that best thing is. Now, let me just give you just a a quick overview. I want to do a little Bible study this morning or or this afternoon and show you a few things that really help bring the Bible to life. But um, just, just kind of a little overview as far as my devotional habits. Different people have devotional, I mean, different ways of having their devotions. And I think the most important part is that you have them. that you have that time with God, and that it includes prayer and Bible study, however that works for you, okay? But usually when I get up in the morning, um, my practice will be, we don't think a lot about worshiping God. We don't think a lot about coming before His presence and just adoring Him and worshiping Him. And I recognized, you know, earlier that I was coming to God with lots of requests and needs and things, but I wasn't taking the time to worship Him as I should. And so God just convicted me to start adding music as part of my devotional time. Whether or not you're a singer doesn't really matter. Um, you can sing to God in your quiet time, or you can play, um, play uh, some soft worship hymns or something like that and sing with them. And that's what I do. I have some really soft, worshipful um, songs on my player, and I just play them and I sing with them. Jesus' name above all names. I love you, Lord. I, you know, Father, I adore you. Of course, it's just me. I'm not interrupting anybody because I don't have any roommates or things like that, and so I can do that. But having worship as part of my devotions before I actually get into giving God all my requests and before I get into my Bible study time has really added a depth and a richness to my devotional time that I never imagined before because it's so beautiful when you actually take time to worship God. And, and as you worship Him, you realize more things that you have to worship Him for. And so that's something that I do that's really special. And then I'll go into my prayer time, giving God you know, my request or the different things. And I, I really like to be prepared in my heart before I actually get into the Word and, and start reading and studying and all of that. 
And so then I will um, get into my Bible. I'm following along in the um, Believe His Prophets Bible reading program, which we're doing with the Worldwide Church. You can learn more about that at revivalandreformation.org, where we have a daily Bible reading, and thousands of people actually all over the world are participating in this. And they have a blog where different people are, um, somebody writes a little comment on the chapter for the day, and then there's a lot of people sharing the insights that they're gaining from that day's reading. And um, I don't have time to read all those comments because I have so many things going on, but it is something that can give you new perspectives and, and be special. It's a community as we are reading through the church together, as a, um, reading through the Bible together as a church. So that's really special. But I have another um, place in the Bible where I also read. Um, different places I'll, I'll be studying. And sometimes I'll just be studying out a topic. Maybe I'm struggling with such and such, and I want to learn more what God says about this. And then I also usually do some spirit of prophecy reading. And that may be geared around a topic that I'm studying. I might be searching Ellen White and, and reading all these different quotes that go with a topic, or I might be reading through a book. You know, I've been reading through Conflict of the Ages series again and Christ Object Lessons, and that's really powerful. So again, the point is not necessarily how you do it, but that you are doing it and that you are making it a priority because we can't expect God, we can't expect to have the strength that we need for all these battles that we're facing. We're going into a warfare unarmed if we're not having that time with him. Now something that is super, super um, powerful, and I've talked to you some about it, is the power of praying the word. Now, you can just get, into the, just get into the Bible. I mean, just start with Psalms or whatever and just read the Psalm and then pray it back to God. You know, Lord, you said this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. That's my prayer to you. Today, Lord, help me to exalt and magnify your name. You know, I'm reading in Psalms. And so I'll just, I'll just pray the word back. But something that's also been very powerful for me is the different areas in my life that I'm struggling with or that I'm needing prayer for has to do with my own spiritual life and, and growth. It has to do with those that I'm praying for. It has to do with ministry needs. These different things is I would, I would collect Bible promises. I would collect spirit of prophecy um, quotes and promises on the power of prayer, and I would begin praying them as part of my prayer time. And this has really added a strength because <clears throat> this isn't just me praying, right? This is God's word that we're actually praying back to him. You know, we are told, this comes from Ministry of Healing, page 65. We are told, grasp his promises as leaves from the tree of life. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. As you come to him, believe that he accepts you because he has promised you can never perish well, you do this. Grasp his promises as leaves from the tree of life. Um, that one was from Ministry of Healing. There's so many different um, um, promises about how we can trust in God's word. One sentence of scripture is more valuable than 10,000 of man's ideas or arguments. Why should we pray God's word? It, it, it expresses his will. Yes. The word tells us as well. The word, his word is settled in heaven. We're told he cannot lie. If we're praying God's word back to him, it's, it's his word. He didn't, he didn't lie, right? We're claiming his word. His word does not return unto him void. The word tells us his will. <coughs> I love this from Christ Object Lessons. God stands back of every promise he has made. 
with your Bible in your hands, say, I have done as you have said. I present thy promise. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And so that's why I said when I've been struggling or wrestling with different things or praying for different people, I'm literally taking the Bible in my hands and I'm going through the Bible, looking up different promises that I know. And I'm like, Lord, you said this. I'm counting on you to fulfill your word. You have to fulfill your word. When we know that we are praying um, for his will and his glory, he will fulfill his word. I want to um, share just a few different promises. Let's say that we're praying for our spiritual growth. I might have mentioned this earlier. Here's some examples. I actually put these um, some prayer cards together as examples, which you can download them from the internet, and you can print them up yourselves. I'll tell you more about that. Um, but just to help people pray the word. And so here's examples. I have a prayer on one side and have a Bible promise on the other. I praise you, Lord, that you have power to bring new life to dead bones. Please rescue me from any spiritual complacency. Give me a passion to know you and to live with you, live for you with joy. And then I'm claiming here Ezekiel 37:5. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. That's a promise that we can claim today, here and now, for us. I praise you, Lord, for bringing personal revival to my life and relationship with Jesus. Help me to earnestly seek this as if my life depends upon it, for it does. And then we're told, um, Psalms 85, 6, Will thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Here's another one. I praise you, Lord, that you will give me a heart to know you. Help me to seek you with all my heart and not settle for a superficial relationship with Jesus. Give me a heart to know you. Jeremiah 24, 7. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and they shall return unto me with their whole hearts. Is that promise for us today? You say, I want to know God. I don't know where to begin. Just start claiming this promise. He says he'll give you a heart to know him. Um, The promises go on and on. This is promises I have for spiritual growth. Let's look at some promises for for overcoming spiritual breaches in our life. Oh, this isn't a Bible promise, but listen to this. By watchfulness and prayer, we may so guard our weakest points that they will become our strongest points. Through the grace of Christ, we may acquire moral stamina, strength of will, and stability of purpose to rise above the alluring, infatuating temptations of Satan and to become devoted Christians. So our weakest points can become our strongest points. God can actually turn those around. Let's see here what I have. I praise you, Lord, that you promised to heal me of my wounds. Put the spotlight of your word upon my heart. Show me the specific ways I've dishonored you, the people I've wounded, the sins I need to confess. Heal me and lead me in the way everlasting. And then I included... Um, Psalms 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And then I included Jeremiah 30, 17. I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. I don't know how many of you in this room feel like there are wounds in your life you need God to heal you from. Spiritual wounds. He promises to heal and make us strong. So I have promises for um, overcoming spiritual breaches. I have promises for 
um, praying for your marriage. I also have promises praying for your future marriage. If you are not married yet, I have promises praying for your children. Um, if you have children, let me just share a couple here. I praise you, Lord, that you hear my prayers on behalf of my children and that you're fighting for, your, for their salvation. I praise you that you will save them. Thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered, for I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. Many, many promises here. And I claim these promises on behalf of my spiritual children. You know, if we don't have our own children um, physically, we have them spiritually. And it's very encouraging to claim these promises. Jeremiah 31, 16 and 17. Thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from, e from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, saith the Lord, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. If you have children and they're not walking with God, that would be a powerful promise. I'm not going to go through the rest of these, but I have prayers for ministry growth, and I have prayers for, um, for Holy Spirit, pleading for the Holy Spirit. So basically what I've just done is I have, I have a lot of these in a notebook, which I use myself, but then I put together cards that you can actually pick and choose the ones that apply to your life. You can edit them, actually, if you want to, and print them up on different colored paper or on white paper or whatever you want to do and claim the promises. If you will start praying the word, I can guarantee you your prayer life will change as you pray the word. It's God's word. These are not your words anymore. As we pray God's word, he is enabled to do what he would not otherwise do. As we talked about, he's not a man. He cannot lie. These are some, <laughs> yeah, these are some that I actually shared earlier before the prayer cards. Um, there's an app on the phone. I think it's um, for the, um, both the Apple and the Android phones, but it's a flashcard program. It's by NKO Ventures, NKO Ventures. And basically what it is, it's a flashcard program. So if you're memorizing Spanish or you're memorizing whatever, you can, you can enter what you want on your flashcard. And when you, you click on your phone, you have one side. Let me see here if I can pull this up really quick. Most of you are sitting too far away to see. <coughs> so I'll just give you a quick example. You can actually pull up. Um, let's see here. Okay. So you can't really see here. But I have, a, um, I have a prayer request on one side, and then I click it, and the Bible, um, the Bible promises on the back side that I'm claiming for it, okay? So this is something I use as well. Um, and I can edit them and change them, and I can swipe through them, just like I'm going through flashcards. And so I like this because when I'm traveling, and I don't happen to have my key ring with me, or if I'm in the dark, and I don't want to turn on the lights and wake up people, I actually have the prayer request right here as well. So NKO Ventures is an app that you can use and you can make your own, your own prayer list and all. Okay. What I want to really focus on during the, the last half an hour of our time is talking about Bible study and seeing Christ in a new way in Bible study. How many of you actually bought your Bibles today? Okay, awesome. We're going to use them. 
You know, God has given us a treasure map and his word. Um, if you were looking at a treasure map and you were looking for gold, you'd want to make sure that you followed the map, right? The problem is um, we need to make sure that we're, we're using the right map. A little while back, a few months ago, actually, this summer I was going to speak at a camp meeting in Virginia, and I set my GPS to where I thought I was supposed to go, and I got to where I was thinking I was supposed to go, and it turned out I was actually three hours south of my destination. <laughs> and the problem was is I never double-checked the GPS to actually see if it was going to where I was supposed to go. I ended up down near Charleston, and I was supposed to be up um, northern. And so I was supposed to arrive at this camp, you know, Friday afternoon, and I didn't get there till 7 o'clock Friday night. That was very, <laughs> very frustrating. It's so important that we are using the right map. But what I want to talk about right now, think about the fact if we have a treasure map and we start cutting off certain portions of it. Is it still going to be good to us if we start trimming the edges away? No, we need the whole map, right? Uh, we need all the details. And the same is with the map that we've been given because our map is God's word. This is the treasure map that we've been given, and the ultimate treasure is Jesus. And that's what's really exciting is seeing how God's word leads to Jesus. Something I have really discovered as I've been going through scriptures, and I don't have time to share this message here, is the fact that God actually tells us how to handle his word. He actually lays out how we are to esteem this word. And then he shows us that the way, we treat, the way we treat this word is actually the way we treat Christ. Think about that. The way that we treat this word is how we treat Christ. And I mean the respect we have for this word. <clears throat> it's not just about the pages and the black and white, but it's about the person that God's word leads to. Now, I don't know if you struggle with Bible study, um, if it's a hard, sometimes you, you open the Word of God and you're trying to, to do what you need to do, reading some things, but other things you read in the Bible you just don't make a lot of sense of. Um, that's, you know, some people say, I, I, I read the Bible, but it just seems like I'm seeing jagged lines. I'm not going to go through all the principles of Bible study here. Uh, actually, if you visit the Revival and Reformation booth um, over where all the exhibit hall, in the exhibit hall, you'll see some resources to help you. We have a little green booklet, I didn't bring it with me this afternoon, um, called Revived by God's Word, and that will give you practical tools for Bible study. We also have a little blue booklet called Praying for Rain, and if you want to learn how to lead um, United Prayer, like you experienced this morning, for those of you that went to the United Prayer session, by the way, I heard it was powerful, that there were um, a, a good group of people there, and I wanna encourage you, if you've not gone yet, to go tomorrow morning. Um, because this United Prayer Time, as we start the day together, is so powerful. But Praying for Rain is actually a booklet that will teach you how to lead United Prayer yourselves. But right, well, right now, I want to focus on one part in the few minutes that we have together, and that is looking for Jesus in the Scriptures, because this part has really revolutionized uh, my Bible study life. You know, we're told in Luke 24, 27, the Bible tells us, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
Back in the Old Testament, we are learning about Jesus. In fact, all through the Old Testament, we see glimpses of Jesus in all the different characters in the Old Testament. You know, throughout the Bible, the Bible is full of symbolism, and I'm not going to talk about this in depth. <laughs> if you come to a Bible conference, you would learn more of this. But the Bible is full of symbolism. All these different symbols are actually different glimpses of looking at Jesus, and it's really exciting when you see this. Look at the sanctuary, for example. When we look at the sanctuary, we see Jesus along the steps of the sanctuary. And I know that you've heard this before. We know that he's the door um, as we come into the sanctuary. He is the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one comes to Jesus. Um, no one comes to the Father except through that door. He's our sacrifice. He's the water that cleanses us. He's our, um, he's our intercessor. He's the living bread. He's the light of the world. He's our ark. He's our safe place. He's our covenant. On and on through the sanctuary, you see symbols of Jesus. I'm not going to talk more about this in depth, but what I want to actually do is just to take a few minutes where you, right here in this room, while we're here today, you didn't know we were going to have a little Bible study in this room, um, with the people around you, maybe two or three, I just want you to take a few minutes and I want you to consider the story of creation. Now, you know the story of creation. You can go and read it in Genesis 1 and 2, but I just want you to look at the story of creation, and I'm going to give you maybe three or four minutes, and I want you to find Jesus in the story of creation, okay? Um, just very, very simply. So go ahead and open your Bibles if you have them or share with somebody next to you, and this is really going to, I think, bring the Bible to you to life in a new way. So I'm going to give just a couple minutes of silence, maybe three minutes of silence, and then I'm going to ask you to speak up and share, and I'll repeat it so that we have it for the microphones, um, what you saw in Jesus in the story of creation. I would encourage you to, before you get too much into it, to pray uh, in your small groups and ask for the Holy Spirit to guide you because we can't get into God's Word without that time of prayer, okay? So we're just going to do a short little exercise, and then I'll talk through it with you.
Okay, haven't given you very much time, sorry. Let's stop and let's talk just briefly about how you saw Jesus. How many of you saw Jesus in the story of creation? Okay, all over, all over. I um, want to hear just throughout the audience, but, but maybe one at a time, how you saw Jesus, maybe one point. Somebody tell me. Speak up, tell me, so I can hear you. Okay, um, so on the first day of creation, um, well, actually before that, the earth was obviously dark and without void. And so looking at that, when Jesus came to this earth, Illinois says that at that time when Jesus was born, the earth was kind of in a spiritual darkness. Mm. And um, we know the Bible says that Jesus is the light. Amen. So the earth was without form and void. It was dark, and he came and he brought the light. Amen. Okay, somebody else. Raise your hand so I can hear, okay? Um, on chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord made God the man in the garden of Eden and uh, descended and watched over it. So I'm saying how he was kind of... Uh, So God taught Adam to tend the garden, to take care of the garden, and he's called us to take care as well, and we do that in different ways. Okay, Brooke. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, it's really beautiful how each in each day of creation, we see God filled the day, right? But the Sabbath, he filled with himself. And that's the best gift of all. Yes. Mm-hmm. God could have created everything at once, could have all put it together, poof, but he took time and he put it together piece by piece, detail by detail, for our sake, actually, and to show us order. So, beautiful. Okay, all the way in the back. Yes, amen, that's beautiful. So the earth is our foundation. Jesus is our foundation. If he is our foundation, just as she shared that, that text, um, he tells us to bring forth fruit, the earth to bring forth fruit, we will bring forth fruit. Um, that's a beautiful example. Okay, I'll take a couple more. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're told to to bear fruit after our kind, and yes, 
but if we're born of the flesh, we're going to bear fleshly fruit, right? That's why we need to stay connected to Jesus, so that we bear fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Amen. Let us make man in our image. Yes, that's a beautiful picture of the Trinity. Okay. Yeah. Um, he also had a rubric for things that showed that he had the standard for his love. He made sure everything was beautiful and he had to affirm that it was good. Mm. And if it was not good, he needed to do something about it. So I think that also shows us that there is a standard the Lord expects of us and we need to meet that standard. It is good. Yes. That God has a standard. That's powerful. Okay. Amen. In the beginning was the Word. He said. Amen. Okay. As we're looking at the um, beautiful, and I know many more of you had thoughts that you didn't speak up and share, but just looking at the story of creation, I want us to look at the very first sentence. What's it say? In the beginning. Just in the beginning. We're looking for pictures of Jesus. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, as we're told in Revelation 1.8, in the beginning. He's our beginning. Jesus is the light that separates. We talked about that. He divides the waters from above and beneath. Think about his word is a sword. And what does the word do? It divides. Yes. It cuts. Does it cut to kill? It cuts to heal. To kill self. Yes. We need self to die. He's the living water. He fills the Sabbath. Brooke brought that up. Um, this, this I really love in, in the story of creation. You know that Adam was put to sleep on a Friday and out of his side came a bride. Think about what happened with Christ. He was put to sleep on a Friday. Crucifixion. His side was pierced, outflowed blood and water and his bride was born. The church came forth. We're told when a man sees a woman that he loves, he will leave his father and go to claim that woman. Christ saw a woman that he loved, and he left his father and came to earth to win her. And he marries us, and we become one flesh. Adam, to bear fruit after his kind, we are to bear fruit after Christ. First fruits came up on the third day of creation, so Christ rose from the dead on the third day. 
and it goes on. There are so many beautiful pictures of Christ, and this is just creation, and it's 337. <laughs> okay, we'll look at, um, you know, as we look at the Bible, <clears throat> all through, we're, we'll, we'll talk about one or two more stories before we close. Not only do we see pictures, but we see comparisons and contrast. And we saw a little bit of that in what I just shared, but I'll show you a few of those again. Looking at Jesus and Adam, as you're looking at the stories in the Bible, look at how Adam failed the test and he brought spiritual death to our planet. And Jesus overcame the test and he brought us spiritual life. Now think about this. I don't know if I have this in the slides. Adam failed in a garden. He failed in the Garden of Eden. Where did Jesus conquer? He, 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 yes, he did. He conquered actually in the Garden of Gethsemane. He conquered being under the weakness of sin. Adam breathed his first on a Friday. Jesus breathed his last on a Friday. I already shared this. Adam went to sleep out of his wife came over. Uh, out of his side came a wife. Jesus went to sleep, and his side was pierced, and out came his bride, his church. We have the temptation in the wilderness, and on. Okay, um, looking at the story of Cain and Abel, I think actually we are going to move forward. Um, If I had more time, we would go over more of these stories. What I want to give you a glimpse of, let's, let's just look at, look at the story of Jacob and Esau really quick, and I'm not going to have you get in your little groups to do that. But let's just talk about the story of Jacob and Esau. <clears throat> Here's a story of deception, something that happened that should not happen, and it was done in the human flesh in the human way. But even in these stories, even in these stories that went wrong, we can actually see pictures of Jesus. This is really amazing. Um, and some of these things I'm sharing, I, I can't take credit for these things. I've, I've been seeing some of them as I've studied, but these are also different things that Pastor Myers has been sharing, Pastor Bachelor, many other speakers that we have had come and share at Army Bible Camp. They talk about finding Jesus in the scriptures. And at the end, I'm going to give you some more resources so you can go and study more of this on your own. Um, but just looking at the story of Jacob and Esau, we see how Esau went out into the field, Jacob came into his father to get the birthright that was supposed to be his. And it was his, but he went about it in his own way. But when he came before his father, what was he covered in? He had skins on, right? He was covered in skins, and his father, yes. Think about what we have to be covered in to be acceptable to the Father. We have to be covered in the sacrifice of Christ. Something has to die. Christ had to die. We have to be covered um, in his sacrifice. You think about the fact when Jacob came before the Father, what did his father say? His father couldn't see very well, but he said it smells like the field, right? If we are serving Christ as we should be, what are we going to smell like? We're going to smell like we've been out in the field, right? Harvesting. Souls for the kingdom. Harvesting. We're going to smell like the field. Um, 
even in the story of, of Jacob and Esau, it's really interesting to see the parallels. Hmm. Okay, we're going to go here. We're going to actually close with this story, the story of Joseph. I want you to think, you could, you could read through all these different chapters, and actually, this is really interesting, because uh, at the Army Bible Conference that I shared about with you earlier today, um, how Pastor Myers and other Bible teacher, teachers are just training people how to study the Bible. They've actually been teaching people how to see Jesus throughout the scriptures. And it's just powerful when you see this. But um, I'm one of the organizers of the ministry. As an organizer, I'm usually in and out. I'm not always even in the meetings. And so I heard some of the things, but I'm just very busy. <laughs> as we get when we're in ministry, right? And I'm doing my things with God, and I'm studying and all these different things, but I wasn't looking for Jesus in the scriptures until a year ago, um, my friend and I were studying and challenged me, Melody, why don't we start looking to see if we can find Jesus in the scriptures in every chapter that we're reading and looking at? I was like, okay. Well, we were actually studying Genesis at the time and going into the story of Joseph uh, in the very beginning. And we started seeing all these parallels, sometimes dozens of pictures of Jesus in the story. And I was just blown away because here I am helping lead a ministry that's teaching people how to see Jesus in the scriptures. And I was not looking for Jesus in the scriptures. I'm ashamed to say that. But this actually just became more real to me just like a year and a half ago. Seeing Jesus in the scriptures is amazing. So we could look at the story of um, Joseph, but... Yeah, we're going to actually, but we don't, we don't have time to look at all the chapters because we're going to draw this session to a close. But I just want you to share with me from your thoughts, because most of you know the story of Joseph. How could you see a picture of Jesus in the story of Joseph? And if you have a thought, just raise your hand. He was betrayed by He was betrayed. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold. Okay. Joseph was submissive and obedient throughout. Okay? He, he saved the Egyptians or people that you know, talking about. Yes. Joseph went um, to Egypt as a foreigner and he was used to save not only the Egyptians but his father's house. Yeah. Yes. Joseph was thrown into prison for doing right, so Christ was persecuted for doing right. Okay? Joseph was dead to his father and he became alive again. That's profound. Same thing happened with Jesus. He was dead for a time to his father and came back. Yes? They were both tempted, both Jesus and Joseph. Okay, right behind you. He was the jewel to his father's eye. Joseph was the jewel to his father's eye, and so was Christ. Okay. What's that? He reconciled. Joseph was used to reconcile his family, so Christ has been used to reconcile us, the church, to the family of God. Way back in the back. He was sent to save the people. Uh-huh. 
You okay? Yes. There was an investigation to make sure that the brothers were truly repentant, that things had changed, that they were safe to be in the kingdom, right? <laughs> to be saved. And so the same is with Jesus, okay? He was sold for the price of a slave. Yes, I'll come back to you. Yes, some forget. Okay, we don't have much time, but I want to just share a couple points from this story, and then we're going to close. And I actually have a special surprise for you as well. Um, considering the story of Joseph, just one point. I want to challenge you, by the way. If your Bible study is a little bit dry, go back to the beginning, go back to Genesis, start going through those old stories, and ask God, show me Jesus. Show me Jesus, the story of creation and on. You know, you may not see Jesus initially very quickly, but the more you start to find him, the more you see him in the scriptures just come to life. Joseph is an amazing story to see Jesus. There's just so many, so many illustrations. But think about the fact that Joseph was in prison with two prisoners. One, the baker and the butler, right? One was restored to his place of power and one was hung. One died, one lived. Jesus was on the cross. He was surrounded by two thieves. One lived, one died. Think about all these different... Oh, there, there are just so many, so many illustrations where you can see Jesus in the life of Joseph, and it's just powerful. And you mentioned some of those. So I want to challenge you, hopefully in the few minutes that we've had together, of just giving you a little taste of what it's like to see Jesus in the scriptures. And I want to say this will really bring your Bible study alive. Don't stress about trying to be like the theologians or this or that. Just say, Lord, help me today to see you in the scriptures today. Help me to see you and show me what you want me to do with what I see today. Because not only should we be reading God's word, we should be asking him, how should this change my life today? and praying and, and asking that he would change our life today. Okay, before we have prayer and before I lose you, um, these, these Bible verse cards, you can download them um, on the internet. Oh, let me, give you, let me give you the website here. I, I had a couple more stories that I was going to share, but I ran out of time. Um, but, but as far as looking um, for Bible study for Jesus in the scriptures, here's two really good resources. And what I would encourage you to do, Shadows of Light by Doug Batchelor, Seeing Jesus in the Bible. I would encourage you to go get the book, but before you read what the book says, read the story and ask yourself, where's Jesus in the story? Then read what Doug Batchelor writes about it. And you'll, you'll just see amazing new things. If you want to study the sanctuary, consider our Operation Blueprint with Pastor Myers. That's powerful. And here's the two books that I was telling you about before, Resources for Revival and Reformation. And here's uh, my website, which... Okay, I don't have the tab here. This is an older one. I have a little tab here called Prayer Resources, and if you go to the tab, you can find these cards for downloaded. However, I have made some copies, and five, six, maybe seven of you are going to get a free set today. So look under your seats and see if there is a blue bookmark 
taped to your seat. And if there is, um, hold it up. Okay, hold it up so we can see. Okay, here's some books marks. Okay, this is what they look like. Okay, so I'm going to have a word of prayer. And then those of you that got one of those bookmarks can come up and I will give you one of these packs of, of prayer promise cards. Okay, let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I just thank you for the privilege of worshiping you and seeing Christ in the scriptures. And we've just been barely superficially able to take time to look at this today as we talk about growing an abundant devotional life. But Father, I pray that seeds have been planted and that you would help us in this room as we go forward to search even deeper to see the amazing God that we serve, the treasure, our treasure of the scriptures. Thank you, Father, for who you are. We praise you in your precious name. Amen. This message was presented at the GYC 2016 conference when all has been heard in Houston, Texas. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.